When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10 to get 10% off our central membership for the first year. And now to today's episode. The signals are telling me that inflation is falling but it's not necessarily a reason to buy equities, which could be an issue for the darling of 2022, the energy sector. Steno Signals starts right now. Welcome to the first edition of Steno Signals at Real Vision and Happy New Year to all of you. In this show, we're going to look at the most important charts in global macro each and every week. This week, we will focus on inflation and the link to the darling of 2022, the energy sector, because I hold the contrarian view that energy is going to suffer during the first quarter of the year as a consequence of some of the dynamics that we see in inflation space right now. And by the end of the show, we promise you to become very concrete on how to view this from a market action perspective, because I will reveal how I will trade this during the first quarter of the year. But let's have a look at the inflation details first, because something is happening beneath the surface. And it's something very important to note when it comes to the overall dynamics of US inflation. We are basically standing at a crossroads right now when it comes to inflation, because we have one trend in goods inflation and another trend in inflation of services. And the reason is that we are clearly at the point in time where the economic cycle is slowing visibly in the US. It's the same elsewhere um, across the globe, but clearly also in the US by now. And um, if we look at the inflation dynamics as a consequence of this slowing growth cycle, it is now clear that goods inflation is no longer the most important part of the inflation that we see and face in the US. Goods are now almost dropping in price. They at least do that on a monthly basis, not on a yearly basis yet, but that will probably come during the year. But on the other hand, service inflation is still running hot. And we should remember that the service inflation is what's driven by you and I, the labor market, uh, so the physical economy, right? Uh, and as long as that part of the equation is still running hot, it's not necessarily something that the Fed will take comfort in, this mixture of slowing inflation in goods, but still rapidly rising inflation in services. But if we look a bit ahead, what's the key component to watch here? My main take is that goods inflation will be on everybody's lips 
throughout the first quarter of the year. And the reason is that we know that goods prices are important in the consumer basket right now relative to earlier as a consequence of the updated consumer weights that we um, saw throughout the pandemic. Uh, so throughout the pandemic, the average household basically spent more on goods, and that is now reflected in the importance of goods in the inflation calculation. And we will get updated weights to this inflation basket throughout this year. But if we look at the um, weightings right now, goods are important for the equation. And if we take a look at what's going on beneath the surface with the price action in physical goods, I'd like to start with a very concrete chart on the price of food. We know that food price prices have been elevated throughout 2022. Um, and it is, of course, one of the main necessities of the consumer basket. So it is important also uh, for the Federal Reserve outlook. And if we look at food inflation right now, it is clear from actual traded food prices on exchanges as measured by the UN price index that we've seen a slowdown clearly in food prices over the course of the fourth quarter of 2022 and into the early parts of 2023. And typically it takes in between three and four months for the consumer price index in the US to fully capture such a move. Uh, so I would expect food prices to clearly decline on a monthly and quarterly basis throughout the first quarter of the year. And food prices are important for the consumer basket. If we pair that with the overall outlook for the price of goods, then I'd like to point your attention to what's going on with freight rates. We've almost grown accustomed by now to extreme freight rates from China to the West as a consequence of the zero COVID policy in China. But standing here uh, in the early parts of 2023, we now know that China is slowly but surely reopening. And that is something that is already reflected in freight rates um, as a consequence of easing supply chains, but also as a consequence of weakening demand from households in the US and in Europe. If we look at the price move in freight rates, we've gone from an index of above 5,000 to now just above 1,000 in the average freight rate from Shanghai to LA or Rotterdam in Holland. And that is an important change to the price momentum for the price of goods overall, because the price of a good in Walmart or any other retailer is obviously a function of the price of transportation since it's usually not manufactured locally. And when a freight rate is falling to the extent that it is right now, it will eventually show up as a decline at the consumer level, at the store level in the US as well with the time lag. And that is essentially what I think is on the cards for the first half of this year. Very rapid deceleration in the price action of goods due to a substantial price drop in the price of transportation, which is a clear game changer to the outlook for goods inflation.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So, watching the correlation between freight rates. And PCE goods inflation, so the goods inflation component of the PCE price index that the Fed measures, we should expect inflation in goods to be gone by May this year. That is a dramatic change of scenery compared to 2022 when goods inflation was very elevated. To give you a very concrete example of a good already falling in price, I've taken the example of used car prices with me. Um, if we look at weekly auction data, the so-called Mannheim Index, auctions of used cars in the U.S., we're now ranging around minus 10 to 15% compared to just a year ago, January 2022, relative to January 2023. That is a decline both on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, and a yearly basis. So this will show up as outright deflation in the consumer price index during the first quarter of this year. That is again, a dramatic change of scenery compared to just one year ago. And we need to remember that the big price spike in the price of used cars happened between roughly March and the early summer of 2022. So when we measure inflation in cars over the next six months, it will look like a material decline year over year and something that will drag the inflation figures down on an aggregate basis. So basically across the board, when you look at the pricing of food and goods, the first half of this year will look very different to 2022 when it comes to inflation. So what about the service component of inflation? I told you that it was still running hot. The major reason why it is still running hot is the housing market. The way that we measure inflation in housing is a bit strange um, since it is not based on what I call observed rents. It is rather based on surveyed rents. So it basically takes a while until the average survey respondent answers that the rent has gone up. Uh, and the way we can um, see this is if we compare the methodology from the consumer price index, so the surveyed rents with the actual observed rents from either Silo um, or another online um, company with the actual data on observed rents. And I've done that on this chart. So as you can see from the light blue line here, observed rents went up materially throughout 2021 and into 2022. But the way that we measure it in the consumer price index, or rather the Fed measures it in the consumer price index, lacks the actual developments. So this is a major reason to expect the service inflation to remain high, but it's not really due to something going on right now. It is basically just a lacked consequence of what happened in 2022. If we look at the key component of service inflation, wage growth, then I am actually also optimistic that we are past the peak. That's not necessarily good news for the worker, but it's good news for the Fed. If we look at the amount of job openings measured by JOLT on a monthly basis, we're clearly past the peak now. Even if we are at elevated levels, it's clear 
that we've seen a change of momentum in the amount of job openings in the US economy. And the amount of job openings is basically the best gauge for wage growth with the time lag of in between four and six months. So we know when there are fewer job openings, the bargaining power of the average worker declines. And therefore, I would expect wage growth to peak right about now. And wage growth will accordingly decelerate throughout the first half of 2023. And that should actually slowly but surely spill over to a declining momentum in service inflation throughout the first half of the year as well. So that leaves me with a very clear outlook on inflation for 2023. I think the 1970s playbook is still intact. And what do I mean by that? Well, if we compare the actual inflation cycle that we're in right now to what happened in the 1970s, we have a playbook for what could happen in 2023, 2024 and onwards. And my best guess is that we will see a sharp deceleration in inflation in the US towards a level of 2 to 3% in 2023, maybe even a tad lower. But what will happen as a consequence is that the Fed will likely start easing. And we should probably also expect fiscal stimulus to resurface as a consequence of it. And that leaves me with sort of a bitter taste in my mouth when I look at the supply to demand balance two, three years ahead. But let's leave that for another discussion because I think it is now fairly clear if you do the math that inflation is declining rapidly on a year-over-year -year basis. And it is something that will have an important bearing on the outlook for most assets in 2023. So let's look at how a rapidly declining inflation impulse will impact various asset markets. First of all, as I said initially, it's not necessarily a signal to buy. And why is that? Well, when inflation is increasing, I see that as a result of companies increasing prices towards the end consumer. If inflation is declining, it means that the demand side is weakening and it demeans, also means that the pricing power of the average company on the exchange is declining at the same time. And one way of showing it is if you look at the relationship between, for example, the producer price index, you could have used the consumer price index as well, and the growth in earnings per share on a yearly basis in the US. The producer price index leads the development in earnings, corporate earnings, by quite some time. And if we allow the current oil price to dictate the level of the producer price index three, four, five months from now, then I would argue that it is almost carved in stone that we get negative revisions to the earnings outlook and even outright earning earnings declines throughout 2023. That is not necessarily something to cheer about as an equity investor, even though it opens the door for easing from the central bank. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. 
Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So let's have a look at which equity sectors perform when inflation is slowing and which equity sectors suffer. And there is one overwhelming conclusion when you look at 10 years of historic data on inflation relative to the performance in various equity subsectors. The most sensitive sector on the exchange to a declining inflation is the energy sector. So basically the darling of 2022, the sector that outperformed right about everything. I would argue that if inflation slows, it will show up in an underperformance in the energy stocks as well potentially also in the physical commodity markets, but clearly also in the energy stocks. You can see this based on 10 years of history in the left-hand table. This is a chart showing the beta of every equity sector to a one percentage point move in the inflation index. So every time inflation falls 1% in history, the energy sector suffers by 10%. I don't expect the energy sector to suffer that much, but it is clearly a signal that energy suffers when inflation declines. On the other hand, we need to find sectors that gain from an inflation decline. And it is interesting that some of the sectors that tend to like a decline in inflation are some of the sectors that hate it the inflation picture in 2022. So I'm talking about technology. I'm talking about consumer discretionary. So essentially Tesla. And then I'm talking about healthcare. But if I were to pick one right now, given the turmoil that we see in te the tech sector and in consumer discretionary as a consequence of high valuations, I would pick healthcare as a good choice um, of an equity sector to position in when inflation declines. So energy is the worst pick. I think healthcare is the best pick if you look at equity positioning as a consequence of a decline in inflation. And if we look at the ramifications in foreign exchange space, then I think there is one crystal clear conclusion from the right-hand table, and that is most currency pairs versus the dollar gain from an inflation decline in the US, since the US is usually leading the global cycle. It will take a while until inflation drops in Europe, in the UK, um, in Asia. But there are two major things to watch on that right-hand table, and that is commodity currencies in LATAM and in Eastern Europe, because they suffer when inflation drops in the US. On, his, on historical data, right? So the Brazilian real, the Mexican peso, and the Russian ruble tend to suffer when US inflation declines. So that's something worth noting if you're long either of the three. Ultimately, I wanted to provide a glimpse of hope for this year in investment terms. We've had a terrible 2022 from an investment perspective at least if you were long the classic 60-40 portfolio. But I actually think there is a reason to remain decently upbeat 
on equities in general throughout the first quarter, and that is dollar liquidity. This is the theme that I will return to week after week in this show. But if you look at the liquidity projections for this quarter, they actually look pretty decent. Since the US Treasury will have to empty its own cash balance at the Fed as a consequence of the upcoming debt ceiling. So until Joe Biden signs a new debt ceiling, the US Treasury will have to flood commercial banks with US dollars, since they will have to bring down their cash balance ahead of this so-called crossover date. And this is something that um, the US Treasury has to do as a consequence of a political decision. So they will not be allowed to add incentives for politicians to drag out negotiations for long as a consequence of a large cash buffer being held at the Fed. So they need to bring that cash buffer down to provide Joe Biden and other politicians with the right incentives to actually negotiate a debt ceiling deal. So this is a reason to remain at least slightly upbeat for this quarter, which is in sharp contrast to the overall consensus out there. This was the first edition of Steno Signals. Thank you very much for watching and um, remember to leave your comments and feedback to me because I promise you to read every single one of them and answer them because I want to grow and develop this show. But remember that this is not investment advice. This is just giving you a window into my thinking. Um, and I can obviously not guarantee you that I know what your available capital is, what your risk appetite is, what your current portfolio allocations are, and whether you like the time horizons of my trading calendar. But in any case, I can promise you that next week, I'll be back with more from the global macro landscape and how I trade it. Thank you for watching. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.